The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. So it comes from Luke 12. It's the basis of our message today, which is all about um, treasures and, and generosity. So here we go. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. For where no thief comes in and no moth destroys... For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is God's word for us today. Morning, Acts. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you asking for your spirit to speak. Lord, we're looking for the next step of where you would have us go in following your son. We're excited to see what you're going to do. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So growing up, every grandchild in my family got a treasure box. And we all love them because they all had our own names on them. So Josh was right here. I love mine specifically because it has lion uh, handles. And I was like, as a four-year-old boy, I had a legit treasure chest, right? The question, though, is what does a four-year-old boy put inside of his treasure chest? Well, I'm glad you asked. When I first started out, I collected rocks. So different kinds of quartz and different kinds of shiny things. And so all of my precious rocks would stay in my treasure chest. Got a little bit older, and I moved on from rocks to coins. And so I would collect different coins, and every time I would see a penny, I would check to see what year it was, and if it was one of the more valuable, unique, uh, minted coins, right? And so for a while it was coins, but then eventually I got into my middle school years, and I started collecting basketball cards. And so I had Michael Jordan rookie cards, and Shaquille O'Neal, and all kinds of different ones, and I really cared about them, so I put them in protectors. And all these things I just kept in my treasure box, and probably every two or three years, the treasures would change. What I valued would change. Well, I graduated high school, and we threw the graduation party, 
And we started thinking, well, people are going to bring what I call the gifts of homage to graduation parties, right? So we all do it. We get the envelopes, and inside the envelopes are either cash or check. And we thought, well, we're going to put them. And we're like, let's put them in the treasure box, right? So we have this party, and we've got my treasure box, and people are dropping off their thank you cards. And next to it was a journal. And people were able to write notes of encouragement to me in the journal. And I had taken all the cards home, and I counted up all the money, and I was sitting there smiling. And kind of in the afterglow, I opened up the journal. I started reading through things people had written about me, about how I had invested in their lives, how I'd been able to be a part of their lives. At the very end of it was an entry from my dad. And he said, Joshua, you are blessed beyond what you know. All of your friends can't fit in your treasure box. And I remember just sitting there thinking of that, and I've got this big load of cash in front of me. And it was that statement, those relationships can't fit in your treasure box, that stayed with me, right? The cash is gone. This was 15, 20 years ago now. It was useful, it was grind, fine, whatever. But the relationships, the people that I was able to invest in, those who invested in me, well, that's actually what I keep in my treasure box now. If you go below the top deck, it's just thank you cards. Times where people have said, hey, Josh, your presence in my life, whether it was at church or practicing hospitality or anything else, it meant something to me. It changed something for me. See, those are my real treasures. And as we talk about treasures in heaven, which is where we're at today, right? We've been in this series talking about where God has us here on earth. We started spiritually, our relationship with him. Then we talked about relationally with each other, how God brings people into our lives. We talked about the world being a place that God wants us to redeem. He's not trying to rescue us from the world. He's not trying to take us out of the world. He's saying, no, I want to go back to plan A. I want the world to be good again, and I want you to be a part of that. Last week, we talked about how intellectually God challenges us to reshape our thinking. And today, we're talking about where are we at with this idea of treasures in heaven, and what does that mean? So we're going to just jump into Scripture and kind of take this part by part. Starts off, and someone in the crowd is talking about money, and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to all those gathered, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That word possessions there is trezaro. It's where we get treasure from. It goes on and he says this parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I know, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things, and again, that's the word trezero, for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So up north in the Midwest, we have a lot of grain, we have a lot of corn. And so our barns aren't just standard barns. Our barns are a lot of silos. You've probably seen silos before, right? Those big tower-looking things, and they'll go three, four, five stories up. And the story of this is God saying that a guy had a really good year. And so he starts to think, well, what am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to build 
bigger and bigger silos. When I think of this uh, story, do you know who I remember? Scrooge McDuck. Remember Scrooge from DuckTales? The vault that he had? And I mean, really, vault is a very modest word, right? He had this tower that was so tall that he had a diving board, and he would just dive in and out of his gold, and all these treasures. And the whole story is about how he is the richest man in the world. And yet, when you think about it, he's not all that happy, is he? Because he's always worried about, is someone going to steal his gold? Is someone going to get more gold than him? Is someone going to find a treasure that he didn't know about before he does? And so the whole story is him frantically trying to hold on to his wealth. And what Jesus says in this is like, guys, that's not going to work. Because the big myth that the world tells us is that money is either going to provide us the entertainment we want, the status we crave, or the security we need. Right? And to prove it to you, you're going to all go home today and you're going to watch a game. Watch how many commercials are trying to convince you that they have the entertainment that you want, the status that you crave, or the security you need if you just give money towards something, right? So that could be, you know what, invest with us and we'll protect you. So when you retire, you're going to be okay. That could be, hey, I love Marvel Comics. I'm very excited about the trailers that are going to drop, right? But that's going to be part of it, right? Come spend money on this epic movie. Or, you know what, you got to look this way. You got to drive this car and then you'll have arrived. People will know your status. And the world is constantly lying to us that it can provide with enough money, entertainment, status, or security. And yet what Jesus says is that our own best thinking about money gives us a false sense of security. You fool, the parable says, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasures for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Our own best thinking actually leaves us vulnerable about money. Because we can convince ourselves that we're safe, that we're provided for if we can just get X amount. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, this is something I personally struggle with. If my savings account drops below a certain number, I physically get uneasy. My stomach starts to rumble. And I just keep going back, oh man, we don't, we, this month was too bad, we, did, we spent more than we spent, and it just goes on and on, and it becomes this frantic, because I believe the world's lie, that money will provide me security, but I'm actually vulnerable. And every 10 or 15 years, the world reminds us, right? The bubble bursts, whether it's the housing market or the stock market, and all that money that we saved up, we realize we're not in control. It doesn't provide us security. And in fact, it gives us a false sense of what provision looks like, of what a God looks like. So Jesus starts off by saying, your way of thinking typically is going to leave you vulnerable, but he doesn't leave us there. Scripture goes on. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not reap or sow. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you can worry can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wild flowers. They 
Do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. The pagan world runs after these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Every morning, my wife wakes up and throws bird seed out. And we've got this half-cut-down stump, and every morning, blue jays and cardinals and yellowtails and squirrels come and eat. And every morning, I sit at my desk and I watch them, and you know what? They're not frantically checking their spreadsheet of how much money they have that day. They're not wondering, how many pieces of bird feed did I get? Do I have enough? Right? They come, they eat, they do the best they can with what they have, and God provides for them. What I love about this scripture is how it changes from this kind of generic God right? The, um, the Almighty. But then it says, no, 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 for the pagan world runs after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. It switches from this generic God who's just kind of out there to a relationship. And it leans in, and he says, God will provide your daily bread, right? Our Father promises to provide the needs for you and your family, and if nothing else, hear this today, because this is the foundation that everything else rests on. God knows what your family needs. He is a good father. He will provide. And in fact, the fact that we are here today, every single person in this room is a living testament to God providing daily bread. We haven't starved now, mind you, there are some days where we're like, God, I think I want lobster and steak today. And he's like, it's a PB&J PB &J, J dash, right? And that can be tension because we want to be in control of what we get. We want to have that entertainment. We want to have that status. We want all that. And yet God is saying, Josh, I'm going to provide you what you need. And in fact, I'm going to go above and beyond. And I want to bless you. And I want good things for you because you are my son. You are his sons and daughters. And he has a plan. And so God changes our thinking and he goes, look, your own best way of thinking that if you just can stockpile enough, if you can just Scrooge McDuck it up, that you're going to be okay. He goes, no, you're not. You don't know when you're going to die. But he goes, but your father loves you and he has a plan for you and he wants to provide for you. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of trusting that God is going to provide. Which then brings us to our so that. Scripture goes on and it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hear the verbiage in this. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We get the kingdom. Father's king. That makes us royalty. 
That makes us heirs to the kingdom. We've been talking about how God wants to redeem the world. How God wants his reign, his presence to infect everything and everyone. He wants his love and his peace and his joy and his spirit to literally change the world. And he says, you are my sons and daughters. You are princes and princesses in this world and I want to give you all of it. I want you to be a part of all of it. And I want you to be able to start to share some of the treasures that I have given you, some of the blessings that I have given you to be a blessing to this world, to participate in his kingdom. God is saying, guys, look, I'm going to provide you with everything you need, so have courage to be that blessing to your neighbor, to actually invest in what God is up to and what God is doing. Right? And this can go in a bunch of different ways, but here's three of them. So sharing our actual treasures, opening up our homes, saying, you know what, God, you have provided for us. And we want to welcome people into that provision. To be able to say we want to be a part of hospitality, a part of loving our neighbors and saying, God, you gave us this for a reason and we want to be able to share it. I love friends with boats. They're awesome. Right? To be able to share in that joy. Because at the end of the day, the treasures aren't, it's, they're not bad things. The gifts God gives us as a father are good things. But he's calling us to say, but invest them in my kingdom. Use them, leverage them to bring good. And then we have opportunities for when people are hurting, whether it's financially, to be able to say, you know what, we've got some resources. I'm willing to share those. Maybe it's emotionally. And it's like, you know what, this person, they need a cupcake. And so we go out and we get them the best cupcake we can find just to be able to say, I love you and you are heard and you're not alone. Maybe it's that person on the street who just needs a sandwich and someone to talk to. But all of that is being a part of his kingdom. And then last but not least, is God, by his grace and humor, uses the church to bring forth his kingdom. Right? So we gather for worship on Sundays. We partner with organizations like Acts of Love and are able to host them. We get to witness to each other. We get to witness to our neighbors. God calls the church the body of Christ here on earth. And finding ways to invest in that. And I'm going to be honest, most of you have probably heard some lies about what giving to the church is about. There is a number we like how many of you have ever heard the number 10% in church? Yeah, right? How many of you ever heard a pastor tell you that Jesus only uses it once and he uses it by mocking those who are giving it? He's talking to the religious folks and he says, you give 10% of your income, but you don't even love your own parents. Are you kidding me? That's the 10%. That's the only time it's mentioned in the New Testament. Ever heard that preached? It's not about a number. What we find in the New Testament is God inviting people to be generous to his church and saying, it doesn't matter if that's where you're at right now. It's just saying, I want you to take the next step. And so that might be for you. You know what, God? I, I, we've got this right now. X amount. God's like, go team Jesus. Yay. The flip side is we get that number in our head and we're like, all right, I've arrived. I've gotten to that number. All done. 
And the New Testament actually is gracious in the on-ramp to giving, but it's courageous in what it looks like. And so when you read through the New Testament, when you read through Acts, you have people doing wickedly crazy, insane things, like selling their homes and giving to the poor, giving above and beyond what they're able to, because God has provided for them, and they believe in his promise. They believe that because he's going to provide, they want to invest in what he's up to. And so in the New Testament, we find is there is no minimum. God's like, if you can't give this amount, then don't even do it. That's not scripture. At the same time, there's no maximum. Instead, it's reorientating ourselves to what God is already doing, what is already providing for in our lives, and then consistently taking that next step. And this is the rub. Because all of us can get jazzed up and be like, all right, God, I'm going to do this. And I'll I'll do something this week. But if we're not consistent in it, we're going to fall back into the wrong thought processes because the world is consistently barraging all of us with wrong thinking. You're going to drive to work and you're going to see billboards and those billboards are going to scream at you, you need this or you're not safe. You need this or you're not enough. You need this or you won't be happy. And the world is going to attack us again and again and again with faulty thinking. And the way to combat that is to consistently take one step after another, trusting in God that he is going to provide. Trusting that he has good things for his children. And as we consistently take those steps, he builds up more trust. And he provides in beautiful and amazing and awe-inspiring ways. And we get to be a part of his kingdom. And the reason why we have this conversation is because of this last verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We started this series saying God didn't want part of you. He doesn't want you for an hour on Sunday morning. He doesn't want you for 15 minutes before you go to work. God wants all of us. And scripture tells us that wherever we put our treasure... That's ultimately where our heart's going to be. We can tell what we value by where we invest. And what God is saying is, I want to be all of you. I want to be a part of every component of your life. And wherever you are on the scale, God says, praise God, I'm glad you're here. I'm just a little more trust. I'm just a little more trust. And he's a father who provides good things for his children. And he invites us to be a part of his kingdom work. How he is changing the world through loving our neighbors, through opening up our homes, through this weird, crazy thing he calls church. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, our hearts are in all kinds of weird places throughout the week. We trust in all kinds of things that aren't you throughout the week. That you are a God who graciously allows us to call you Father, who continues to pour out his forgiveness and love day after day, moment after moment, and then invites us to participate in your work, in your kingdom. Father, Lord, we pray today that you move We pray that you give us the courage to take whatever next step it is you would have for us, whether it's opening up our homes or loving on someone, investing in part of your kingdom. 
Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have a relationship with a God who will go to any length to have a relationship with us. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.